You're on with Barbara. Hey, 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 it's me, Barbara Corcoran, and this is 888-BARBARA. That's right, it's time to answer all your burning questions. From the boardroom to the bedroom, nothing is off limits. So listen up for some advice on how to live your best life. Each week, I'll be answering all your burning questions, and sometimes I'll be asking them too, interviewing some of the greatest folks I know to learn the secrets of their success so I can share them with you. Today, we're going to speak with a nice young guy. When you hear his voice, you're going to fall in love with him. Getting married, but is perplexed. What am I going to do when I want a wedding that my parents aren't going to agree with? Whoa, 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 wait till you hear this lady on the line. She's a go, 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 goer, but she's unhappy. I'm going to fix her up. Let's get right down to it. Good evening, Barbara. My name is Kevin. I'm calling from Phoenix, Arizona, and I have a question concerning weddings. My fiance and I have been engaged for a little over a year now, and we're trying to plan our wedding, and we don't know whether to go big, whether to do a surprise wedding and just invite family, do a destination wedding. We're trying to figure out the best thing to do with our financial situation, and logistically, the family lives out of state. So if we were to throw a surprise wedding, we would have to convince them to fly to town, and then I don't, I don't know how we would even do that. Should we be concerned about what family members think of our wedding, or should we be planning the wedding for ourselves. I would love to hear your answer. Kevin from Phoenix. So you're asking, should you be concerned about what family members think of your wedding or should you be planning the wedding ourselves? How does your spouse feel about it or your upcoming spouse? She is open to anything. If it were up to her, surprisingly, we would be eloping in Vegas. Oh, God. She's not looking for a huge $100,000, fifty person event. Mm-hmm. And how about her family? What are they looking for? Her mom? I don't think they have much an opinion on, on the matter. Makes it easier. To be honest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Yeah. But my family is a little bit different. Mm. I don't think they expect a big extravagant thing, but they, I would imagine, expect something formal just because that's how my older sister got married. That's how all my mom's brothers and my parents actually. Mm. The issue with us is that we are essentially financing the entire wedding ourselves. Mm -hmm. So that's going to put some constraints on the size and the scope of it, which at the end of the day, our families are going to have to understand that, you know, there's only so much that we can do. And this is about us and not them. Yeah. So I think you're pretty solid in your conviction along with your wife that you want to do it your way. Am I right on that? More or less, yes. Mm, more or less, huh? What's the less part of that? You want to please, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. The actions that I take and how that affects other people, that is important to me, especially when it comes to family and future family. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, it is a decision that we have to make for ourselves, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Okay, so here's how I see it, Kevin. You have a number of people in your life that the wedding will have some bearing on. One is yourself and your future wife, your fiance. What's her name, by the way? Carmen. Carmen. Okay, so one couple you need to please is you, Kevin, and Carmen, your fiancé. The other is your parents, and the third group is her parents. Doesn't sound like her parents are an issue at all from what you just said, right? Right. Uh, Your parents might be a bit because there's been a precedent about formality that you'd like to not disappoint them about. I get that, okay? But what I really like that I hear here is I like the fact that you 
and Carmen really know what you'd like to do. You'd like to do a smaller wedding, less formal, and do it for yourselves. That is the most important call there. That's it. That's where the name of the game is, right there. Should I make us happy or should I make them happy? And this is a something you're going to deal with your whole life. It's called living for the Joneses or living for yourself. Mm-hmm, right. You know, and Carmen knows that the right call here that you really want is your own wedding, a wedding that suits you well. I say go for that entirely, but I also think you have to tip your hat as a courtesy to your parents by including them, not in making the decision, but including them in the decision you've made. And that, you sound like a lovely guy. I couldn't imagine you being rude or mean to your parents for a split second. Probably Carmen's the same way. So I think you including them in a lovely, informative conversation without an apology. Don't even go down that road. Hey, I just want to get together with you. Let's have dinner Thursday night. And then you say, listen, we're planning the wedding. So far, we think we're going to have it in the month of June or whatever you're doing. What we're planning to do actually is do a very small wedding. And we wanted to include you in our plans on that. And so we'll really only have 50 people and you and Carmen should really knock this out so that you're solid on visualizing and expressing exactly what you want so that they could get on your wagon, so to speak, your parents. Okay. If you're going to go there and say, we're thinking of a smaller wedding. Well, how small? Oh, I'm not sure. You know, we were, could we include Uncle Harry and all his kids? Oh, well, I don't know. You don't want to go there. You don't want vagueness. You want to say, we're going to have 50 people. We're going to have it in the month of June. We'd like to have it at a small restaurant or a small dance hall. We'd like to include dancing. We don't think we'll have dancing. I think the compliment of you just telling your parents those details already, they're going to be on your side because you're including them. Right. Parents don't want control as much as they want to be included. Because when you include parents in anything, especially when you're getting ready to leave the nest, they feel loved. And that's really, in the end, what parents want from the kids. They want to feel loved and appreciated. I'm going to tell you my own real-life experience marrying my husband. And I was older. I was 30. I didn't have any money to spend on a wedding. Neither did he. And I had just sent out an invitation that everybody should come to this Mexican fast food restaurant for our wedding. People were shocked in my family. I had, I guess, 18 uncles and aunts. I had 36 first cousins, a huge family. So surprised to show up at our fast food restaurant. And you know what? They never stopped talking about the wedding. It was the hit of the family. No fancy wedding ever measured up to my quick, down and dirty Mexican restaurant that we paid for exactly how we wanted it. You just got your tray, you slipped it along the rails, and you got as many tacos as you wanted. We brought in our own booze. And I think we paid something like $12 a head. We could afford it, but it was so much fun. If I had done anything, even if my parents could have afforded to help us, which they couldn't, or his parents could have and they couldn't, it would never have been our wedding to think back on. So I think you have to do your own kind of wedding, but I think equally important is that you remember that parents want to feel loved and the best way for them to feel loved is not necessarily deciding, but letting them at least be informed and felt honored as parents. Does that make sense? It makes absolute sense. And that's a fantastic point because, you know, since we are financing this ourselves, mm-hmm. also on the radar for the very near future is going to be that we want to buy a house. We're mm. both of our first time homeowner. Mm-hmm. So I did want to ask you while I had the uh, the opportunity to is mm-hmm. what are your thoughts on what comes first, the wedding or the house? Do I financially not bankrupt myself, but do I spend all my savings on the wedding and then have nothing to spend on the house or vice versa? What are your thoughts on that? Well, I think you know the answer to that question, Kevin. The house is a great investment. Right. The wedding is not. The wedding's a party, a celebration of a point in your life. You're going to have a party and include your family and friends or however many you could afford to include. 
I don't think it's a choice between the wedding or the house. If you really want to buy a house in the near future, really figure out what that down payment is and the closing cost and write it on a piece of paper and say, it's going to cost us that and make a plan now as to how you're going to get there. Because it's about getting the down payment together more than anything to get you started. Exactly. Right. Putting that on paper and having a plan there should actually come before you even meet with your parents because that's the more important goal. And then what you could do is back into from how much that's going to be and how long it would take you to save for it, back into then what you want to spend on a wedding. I bet it really lowers what you want to spend on a wedding. Oh, it does. Absolutely. Maybe you should do that exercise before you even uh, meet with your parents to plan the wedding. By the way, I'm forgetting about your in-laws. I think you should meet with them too. Uh, She's a daughter and her parents raised her and loved her. And I think you should give them the same honor of meeting with them. By the way, if you're going to hit your parents up for something, by all means, hit them up for a down payment on the house. I dealt in real estate my whole life, and I can tell you selling first homes, I would say one in 10 couples, regardless of the economic group, one in 10 were able to come up with their own down payment. Nine out of 10 kids got money from the parents. When kids are hesitant to ask parents for their help, it's so much harder to collect that down payment on your own. Sometimes it takes 10 years, five years, and the housing market prices run away from you or mortgage rates go up. I think the best way to do it is say, if you can give us a 10% down payment, mom or dad, or give us 5% of the 10%, I could give you 5% or 10% of the equity. So when we sell it 20 years from now, you're at least going to have a return on your investment. And you want to know that's a good deal with parents. They love that because it makes them feel responsible. They're investing in their child and they tend much more readily to go along with it. But I would put the plan together on the house first. I'm not saying the wedding's not important, but if you really are thinking that already, you should have that on paper. How are you going to get there? How long it's going to take? And then you should meet with your parents over the wedding. But stick to your guns. It's your wedding. Hopefully you'll only be married once. It's a one-time thing. At least get what you want. Yep. Yep. Knock on wood. Well, I found myself an amazing woman. So yeah, this will be my one and only. Well, guess what, Kevin? (laughs) I hope she feels the same way. I do too. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Bye-bye. All right. Thank you so much, Barbara. Ciao, ciao. Bye. Bye now. Hey, Barbara, this is Elise. Um, I was calling because I had a successful career in the U.S. And then my husband and I moved abroad. And therefore, like, I quit my career to move with him to pursue his career. I feel a little bit of resentment there. I want some advice on that. Like, I was doing really well in my career. And then I left. I want to know what you would do. Um, Also, I think you're amazing. I'm here to help. That's why I called you. Yes, of course. First question. Are you happy with your husband? Yes. He's a wonderful, great guy as a partner. Yeah. Really good guy. That's good to hear. I was wondering if it was worth it. You know, sometimes things aren't worth it, but you're very much in love with your husband. It's worth working on. You want to be with him, right? Exactly. And Uh, I wasn't forced to move either. Like it mm -hmm. wasn't like, you have to go. It was mm. something I was willing to do. And what was your thinking at the time? Why were you willing to do that? It sounded like you loved your career very much. I did. At the time, we were living in San Francisco, and we were both kind of ready for a change. And mm-hmm. so we were going to be moving to New York or somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And we had never lived abroad before. Mm. And so we thought, oh, we'll try it out for a year. Like you an know. adventure, yeah. Yeah, and kind of see, you know, we don't have kids or anything. So we mm-hmm. thought, we'll just check it out. And if we don't like it, we can come home. And now you know, three and a half years later, it's like, 
okay, you might be loving your career, but I'm not really loving mine as much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think it's time to think about going back. And, and now what are you doing now, Elise? Are you working in some occupation that you don't love or not working at all overseas? Yes, I'm working in an occupation that I don't love. So mm-hmm. I'm in Hong Kong right now. And quite frankly, because um, I was in real estate in San mm-hmm. Francisco. It's hard to get into real estate as a foreigner in Hong Kong. Mm. So I'm doing just marketing for um, a construction expo company. Mm. So I guess there's some things kind of go hand in hand there. But I, yes, I have a job, but I'm not loving it. I'm not motivated to work hard. Right. And yet that's not your nature. I guess you're very well motivated to work hard or you wouldn't have had a successful career in real estate in San Francisco, right? Right. Exactly. Is the job you're doing now more administrative based? Because very often marketing jobs are, or is it a commission-based job? Are you getting out in the field, meeting people, hustling? It's like um, hustling over email, Mm. if you will, or like phone calls. That's like loving without a kiss. Exactly. Kind of, right? Like kind of. Forget it. Yes. <laughs> it's all right. Like it's a job. It's okay. But at the same time, it's kind of like limbo, if you will. It's like, I'm not what I love. Like I'm not really developing my skills in the way that I want to. And how long have you been in that job? I've been in that job for about a year. And when did you know it was the wrong job? Maybe week three. <laughs> yeah. So why have you stayed with it? I'd be curious. I guess because it's a job, if you will. I guess my thinking was that maybe I could make some connections within the real estate industry through this job. Mm, Okay. So you thought it was like a warm up that would lead to something else. Makes sense. Well, first of all, you have to let that good man, your husband off the hook, because I heard between your lines and your question, a little bit of rage, kind of like, oh, I gave that up. You know, she follows him versus he follows her. And now look, I don't have a satisfying career. and You do. That can fester on itself. First off, I think it's good to clean the slate and say, just as you said just a few minutes ago, hey, I didn't have to go. It was our choice to go for an adventure and to go together. So I think you've got to take uh, whatever's going on in his life and his happiness and his job, et cetera, right off your plate. It has nothing to do with you. He hit it well, and you're not quite in your stride yet. The problem is entirely yours. Yeah. What have you done or what can you do to make a long list of potential careers that would tap into not necessarily the real estate experience you have, because frankly, the real estate experience that you had in San Francisco will have nothing to do with real estate in Hong Kong. It's not like same values, same population, even the same legal routines. They're different there. But what was it that selling real estate in San Francisco was so appealing to you that you liked that field and you were doing well? Was it the fact that you were in sales, that you're out on the street meeting people, that you're a freewheeler dealer, that you could make your own hours? Uh, what was it that was so appealing about that? I don't think it was a study of property values, right? It was, it had to be something (laughs) more than that, right? What was it that turned you on? I did mostly like leasing, um, like commercial leasing. Mm. So I did like the hustle of it. I liked the negotiating with tenants. I did like the flexibility of it as well. Mm -hmm. In real estate, I like that if you work hard, you can play hard. Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. You do the work, you're going to reap the benefit. And the more successful you are, the more money you make. It's very fair-minded, that business, is it not? <laughs> right, exactly. And that's what I really liked about it. Also, within real estate, it was more engaging. Yeah, like you said, I'm able to meet people, meet new tenants, meet mm-hmm. people who are interested. I was able to learn about building structures and how they work, like, oh, the fire code. Mm. That was the most interesting part, but it's something that a lot of people don't know. It was intellectually engaging because you were learning. Mm-hmm. 
And you liked being a free agent on a commission basis and right. all the things that, that brought. Well, guess what? I think you've narrowed your search far too much to find another job. And I think you could be employed within two weeks at a job you love if you would widen your horizon. And this is what I would suggest. You should be in sales. Who cares if it's real estate? That's a natural one because you have some experience there. But what I've learned that people who love a sales position, love a sales position, it has little to do with what they sell. They have to like what they sell, of course. You don't want to peddle a product you don't believe in because you're just never successful unless you're a thief of some kind, right? Which you're not, obviously. But you have to sell. In the action of selling, you get all the satisfaction of the things you cited just a few minutes ago. Why wouldn't you go out in Hong Kong and apply for every single commission sales position you could possibly get your hands on? I got to believe you would get many interviews that way. I even think your American background would be an asset in a lot of those areas because there's so many Americans and companies migrating to Hong Kong, needing spaces there, also needing boilers there, also needing secretarial services there. Uh, so there's so much to be sold and I think you should just go out and interview for every sales position you can get your hands on. That's what mm -hmm. I think. Okay. Have you interviewed for sales positions? I haven't even thought about it, no. That's what floats <laughs> your boat, my darling. You know, and yeah, it's so good to like hear it from a third party, I guess, the outside looking in. Yeah, I should think about that. And Definitely. in a real firsthand way, I employed so many real estate salespeople in my life. And many of them went to different cities, and especially New York is such a mobile city that people come and go all the time, changing waters. And I found that those agents that were usually successful working in my firm continued their great success, but rarely in real estate but they all found it in sales. A salesman is a salesman. It's a gift. It's like being born a racehorse versus being born a workhorse. That's how I always see it. It's like a certain kind of a person does well in sales. You've proven you're good in sales. I say, just rack up 12 interviews in the next month. Anything that says sales and any advertising, go in and interview for. Just go in and get back in the game of interviewing for sales positions. And some spot along the way, you're going to say, I could actually like this. And you know what? You're not the type that likes it. You're the type that either loves it or hates it. You're one of those because you're a salesman. Exactly. Like it's one or the other. You got it. Well, you're in the other right now. You got to go find the one. Yeah. Don't yeah. waste any time. And you give your husband that big huggy kiss tonight. You know, something. <laughs> he's, he's a, a keeper. keeper. You sound very happily married, which by the way, is harder to find in life than anything else. Yeah. You're blessed already. Just want a double blessing with a career you love as much. Resign from that spot, by the way, right away, if you don't have to have the money this week. Oh, okay. Yeah, just get rid of it. It's going to get in your way. You're going to start to justify, well, it's not so bad, really, da-da-da. Now, give two weeks' notice and start interviewing like crazy. I promise you, you will have your new career and love it just as much, if not more, than San Francisco. Yeah, yeah, okay. Let's look up jobs. Yeah, look them up right now. But more importantly, book the appointment, get out. And your introduction is, I am a very successful salesperson. Not, oh, I sold real estate in San Francisco. Yeah, I am a great salesperson. I have the track record to prove it. Boom, I like the interview. Okay. Okay, okay. I love you. Call. Good luck. Uh, thank you so much for talking to me, Barbara. My pleasure. I'm rooting for you. Bye. Bye-bye. And that's all the questions we have time for today. I hope you found the advice helpful. Think I got it right? Think I got it wrong? Have an idea for a great guest? Come on, give it to me. Tweet me at Barbara Corcoran using the hashtag 888Barbara and keep those questions coming into the 888Barbara hotline. You can subscribe to this show wherever you listen to podcasts. Don't be coy. 
Leave a review for the show at Apple Podcasts and keep the party going on. We'll see you next time. 888 Barber is produced by Sandy Smolens for Audiation. And Lila Mann is our executive producer. Audiation.